Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. As you know, we are in a series called This Is Us, and it's a simple little series that we're looking at the core values that we have as a church. You may go, a core value, what does that mean? That means the principles behind everything we do. All the activities that we have here at his church, it is because of the core values that we have as a church. And what are they? Worship, grow, and serve. It starts with worship. Everything we do flows out of our heart's worship of Jesus Christ. And then you seek to grow through being in the Word, by getting in a small group, you seek to grow. And then, as an outflow of your worship and growth, you find a place of service. Worship, grow, and serve. We want you to do that every week. We have nine weekend worship services here, so you should be able to find a place to worship every week, right? And then we encourage you, find a small group or some discipleship group and grow. And then, every week, find a place of service where you can serve the Lord in and through our church. Worship, grow, and serve. It's our core values as a church. But what I've discovered is that in our church, like most churches... 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And you go, why is that? How is it that, okay, we're all called to worship, grow, and serve. How is it that so few are actually involved in an area of service in and through the church? Well, the reason why is because we've adopted a philosophy of this world. You see, in our culture today, what we have is we have a consumer mentality. What's in it for me? And so people come to church with that same consumer mentality. What's in it for me? How are you going to serve me? How are you going to take care of me? That's the consumer mentality that we see in so many churches today, even in our church. Let me see if I can illustrate it like this. Let's just say that you went to a restaurant after church today. And you go there, and you're waiting and waiting and waiting, and you think, well, this must be a great place because it's a long wait. But then you see people leaving, and they are, you know, they got expressions of anger on their face. And you go, well, maybe this isn't a great place. And finally, you make it up to the maitre d', and she doesn't even greet you. And you go, hello. And she goes, oh, hey. And you go, could you seat us? Well, I don't do that. I just greet people. There's, there's a couple of menus right there. Just grab a couple of menus and find yourself a seat. And so you go, okay, so you grab some menus and you go looking around the restaurant for a place to sit down. And, um, you know, the only places there have dirty dishes all over the place. So so you sit down and and, uh, a waitress comes by and you go, excuse me, could could you remove these dirty dishes? No, I don't do that. I'm a waitress. I don't bust dirty tables. Oh, uh, okay. Um, Could you, well, yeah, what do you want, honey? And I said, well, okay. And, and of course, you're disgusted by all this, and you move the dirty dishes out of the way, and you're only going to order there because you're hungry, right? But let me ask this question. Are you going back to that restaurant? No, you're not going back to that restaurant. Why? Because you know something's wrong with that restaurant. The mentality of all those people working there, they have the wrong mentality. They don't have a servant mentality, do they? Can I tell you that every weekend... People come to our church and experience the same thing? You go, no, yeah, in our church. 
You go, how? I'll tell you how. Because the majority of us come here with not a servant mentality. We come with a consumer mentality. And so the difference, though, between us and a restaurant is that we're not serving food here. We're serving the literal bread of life. And that, you know, whenever people come here, you know, at a restaurant, they may be turned off by a restaurant and say, well, I'm not eating in that restaurant again. People can be turned off at a church, and they're turned off for God for the rest of their life. You see, that's why service and serving one another is a core value of our church, because literally, eternity is in the balance around here. What we're going to do today is we're going to look at a passage found in 1 Peter chapter 4. And the Apostle Peter is expecting all of us as followers of Jesus Christ to be serving somewhere. And he gives us characteristics of what that looks like. Let's look at this passage. Just two verses that we're going to look at today. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Look at what God's Word says. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others. As good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And so here's Peter. He's anticipating that all of his readers who are followers of Christ are going to be finding a place of service. And he says, okay, since you're going to serve, here are some characteristics of what that should look like. And so today, I want you to jot down these four characteristics of service. I want you to jot this on your outline, okay? The first one is this. First of all, you need to serve by using your gifts and abilities. You serve by using your gifts and abilities. Every person in this room is gifted. Every person here has skills and talents and abilities. Every one of you here. In fact, let me prove it to you, all right? There are certain things you have that you can do naturally, if you've got a pen or pencil, okay, you can do this. Take it, and then maybe at the top of your, um, your bulletin, do this. Just sign your name. Do that right now. Just sign your name. Okay? Pretty simple, right? Now, this is what I want you to do next. I want you to change hands, and I want you to do it again. Okay? Try it again. Ready? This is very sad. Wow. Mine isn't even readable. My handwriting normally isn't that readable anyway, but this is just ridiculous, okay? Now, what, what happened there? I'll tell you what happened. The first time you wrote your name, you didn't even think about it, right? I mean, you just, you just quickly did it. But then the second time I had you write your name with a different hand, what happened? You had to think about every letter, every curve. It didn't come natural to you, did it? Well, that's the way... It is in your life. There are certain things in your life that just come natural to you. You have certain abilities in those things. But then there's other things that don't. Well, the Bible says God has gifted you with these abilities. In fact, he's given you spiritual gifts and abilities. Look at how Peter says this again in verse 10. Look what he says. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others. In your outline circle, received a gift. You go, what's Peter talking about? He's talking about your spiritual gifts. Just like whenever you were born physically, you experienced and you were given some natural abilities, some talents, some skills. You were given those things. You were born with them. 
But you know what? When you're born again, God gives you his spiritual gifts. That means you have supernatural abilities. You have natural abilities and supernatural abilities. Right now, you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are gifted. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, you're gifted. Do that right now. You are gifted. You're gifted. Now, what Peter does is he divides all our, of our gifts into two categories. They're either speaking gifts or serving gifts. Look at how he says this in verse 11. He says, if anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides. You see, there are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. There are equipping gifts, and there's undergirding gifts. There's teaching gifts, and then there's support gifts. Anytime that I take a spiritual gifts test, I score highest on the test in the gifts of teaching and exhortation. Both of those are teaching gifts. And yet, can I tell you, it doesn't come natural to me. I mean, you've heard me share this before. Growing up as a young child, I stuttered. Anytime I would be talking to anybody, I, I would take forever to tell a story. In fact, I can remember my siblings around the you know, table go, Mom, tell him to shut up! And, and so you can just imagine, you know, because of that, I became incredibly shy and, and backwards. And, and I mean, even to this day, I'm sort of an introvert kind of a person. And so when I became a follower of Jesus Christ, and then God calls me, I feel into the ministry, I'm like, God, you've made a major mistake! Right? And then what happens? God enables you. That he takes your natural ability. He gives you supernatural ability. That God is literally working through you. That's what you do whenever you're serving the Lord. And so there are, some of you have teaching, you know, upfront speaking kind of gifts. Most of us have behind the scene kind of support gifts. In fact, if you look at all the biblical listing of gifts, most of them are sort of the behind-the-scenes support gifts. Gifts like helps, or encouragement, or giving, or mercy, or hospitality, and faith. But whatever you've got, can I just tell you, you're gifted. God has gifted you with the ability for service. But you've got to use those gifts for the kingdom of God. You are most fulfilled when you're using what God has blessed you with for the kingdom of God. Now, most of you have probably heard of Elvis Presley, right? Of course, Graceland's in Memphis. You know, he's the king of rock and roll. And we will look at him as extremely successful. But did you know that his family and friends said that Elvis was often unfulfilled and unhappy, and that's what led to his drug dependency? In fact, his former wife, um, Priscilla Presley, made this quote about Elvis. She said this, quote, Elvis never came to terms with who he was meant to be. Or what his purpose in life was. He thought he was here for a reason. Maybe to preach. Maybe to serve. Maybe to save. Maybe to care for somebody. He knew he wasn't fulfilling what God had called him to do. His stepbrother, Rick Stanley, who eventually became a pastor, said Elvis was called into the ministry, but he never fulfilled that calling. You know what's interesting about Elvis's life? Of all the millions of the records that he sold, the only Grammy he got for an album was his gospel album. This album right here, He Touched Me. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because he was in his wheelhouse. He was using his gifting the way God had planned for him to use it all along. Our family had an old family friend 
who used to love Elvis. And I remember her telling this story of where she went to an Elvis concert and actually heard Elvis do a segment of his concert of the gospel songs. She was saved during that time. Isn't that crazy? And yet that's the reality. God has gifted every one of you here. And your greatest fulfillment in life is when you're using it for him. Listen, you go, well, I want to serve the Lord. No, listen, God wants to empower you to serve him. He's gifted you that way. So the first thing you need to know is you are gifted. Every one of you here is gifted by the Lord. Second is this, jot this down. You serve by helping others. The way that we serve is by helping others. Look at how Peter says this in verse 10. He says, just as each one has received a gift, we're all gifted, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. In your outline circle, serve others. The reason why God has gifted you and blessed you is for what? Yourself? No, it's to serve others. God blesses you so you can be a blessing. God has given you time, what, to waste it on yourself? No, to serve others. God has given you skill and health. What, to waste it on you? No, to serve others. Everything we are to do, we are to use it for God's glory to serve others. Now, there will be people that go, you know what? I want to serve God. I don't want to serve others. Well, you just missed it. Because the way you serve God is by serving others. That's how we serve God. In fact, you look at Jesus' life, it is a definition of a servant. I mean, check it out. Look at how Jesus describes himself. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says this. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. I mean, I think about Jesus' life, and it's like a big part of Jesus' ministry was just like the ministry of interruptions. Did you notice that? You read the Gospels, and he's walking along, and suddenly you hear these people going, Hey, Jesus, Son of David, please rescue us, right? And what does Jesus Jesus takes the time, goes over there, talk to them, heal them, minister to them. And then a little bit later, you know, a woman touches the hem of his garden. She's healed, and he stops, and he turns around, and he talks to her. I mean, it's amazing. Jesus, most of his ministry was interruptions. Why? Because Jesus was all about serving other people. I don't know about you. If I did that, huh, that would drive me crazy. You know why? Because I'm a task-oriented person, and I got my agenda and my plan and my schedule, and I'm on task, and I'm on task, and interruptions are just that, interruptions. But that's not the way Jesus operated. And see, a lot of us, because we're so focused on our plans and our agendas rather than others, it's almost like we go through life with this sign around our neck that says, do not disturb. Listen, God has put you on this planet to be disturbed by others. That's why you're, you're here. You, you want to know what your purpose in life is? Here it is. Love God, serve others. That's it. That's God's purpose for your life. Love God, serve others. That's God's purpose for you. You see, what we've got to do is rather than have this you know, consumer mentality, what's in it for me, what's my plan, what am I doing for me? No, you need to have a servant mentality. You need to look like this. You come to church and you get your apron on. I am here to serve. That's why I'm here. I'm going to walk through those doors, and I'm looking for somebody to serve. Who am I going to bless today? I'm going to smile at everybody. Hey, how you doing? I'm going to make people feel like they're the most welcome person. I'm going to hug people. I'm just going to look for somebody to pray for and love on. I mean, can you imagine if we had a 1,000 people in this room, and they all had that servant mindset, I am here to serve somebody today. That's what we are called to do. 
I mean, think about it. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to be consumers. We're called to be servants here. I, I think, about, think about your home, your family. I hope that's the way it is at your family. I mean, every Saturday is chore day at our house. Always has been. What do we do? Saturday, we clean up the house. Saturday, we're going to vacuum, you know. We're going to wash the dogs. We're going to, you know, clean the showers. We're, we're going to mow the yard. We're going to, you know, do all those kind of things. Now, do I have a special calling to toilets? No, I don't. Do I have a special gifting for vacuuming? I don't, you know. But see, in a family, everybody chips in. Why? Because it's a family. Everybody has on the, the servant mindset. Hey, I'm part of this family. We, we don't all need to step up and we all need to serve. Well, this is the family of God. No matter what your calling, what your gifted is, you come with a servant mindset. I have come to serve others. And so how does service look? Well, you're gifted. You're to serve others. But then Peter gives you a third characteristic. Jot this on your own line. You serve by being faithful. You serve by being faithful. Look at how Peter again says this in verse 10. Look what he says, verse 10. Just as each one has received a gift, you're gifted, use it to serve others, right? How? As good stewards of the varied grace of God. In your outline, circle the word stewards there. Stewards. Now that's a word that we don't really use that often. Stewards, what does that mean? That means you're a manager. That means you're responsible. That means you're accountable. You are the one who is to manage and oversee and steward your life and your gifts. Another way to put it, here's a biblical term, be faithful. You go, what does it mean to be faithful? That means you do what God's called you to do. Be faithful. Well, what if I don't feel like it? Be faithful. What if nobody else is doing it? You keep being faithful. What if nobody's patting me on the back? You be faithful. Well, what, 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 what if, you know, nobody knows about this? You still be faithful because God knows. See, we are all called to use our gifts to serve others. How? Faithfully. We're called to be service. And we're called to, to be faithful. In fact, did you know that you're going to be held accountable one day before God because of your faithfulness and service? I mean, think about it. The Bible says this. It's appointed a man once to die, and after that, the judgment. We're all going to be at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. But, but at that judgment, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're not being judged based on whether we're going to heaven or hell. That's not what that judgment is. Christ has taken all that punishment, so that judgment is done away for us. Then you go, okay, what's the judgment that we'll face if we're going to see Christ one day? Here it is. It's your faithfulness. God has blessed you with a life. He's given you gifts. How faithful have you been in serving others with what God's given you? That's the question. That is the determine. That's what your eternal judgment's going to be based on. It's based on your faithfulness in serving others. So how well are you doing? You know what I want to hear one day? I want to hear Jesus say and look at me and say, Tony, well done. In fact, that's what Jesus described. Look at it. It's found in Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. This is Jesus is talking about the end times judgment. And look at what he says. To some individuals, he's going to say, look at it. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been what? Say it out loud. You've been faithful over a little. These little things on this planet. I'm going to set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Folks, that is one 
That's what I want to hear one day. My Lord and Savior looking at me and saying, Tony, well done. Now, do I like it when other, other people say, Pastor Tony, well done. Yeah, that's awesome. Makes me feel great. But can I tell you this? That one day when I stand before our Lord and he looks at me face to face, eyeball to eyeball, and he reaches to me with his nail-pierced hands and he looks at me and says, well done. I'm telling you, it'll be worth it all in that moment. That's what you want to hear as well. We want to hear the Lord say to us, well done. Now you may go, well, what I do really doesn't matter for much. I mean, maybe you work in the nursery and you're like, I, I just changed dirty diapers. Really? Does that make an impact? It makes a huge impact. In fact, did you know this? That Jesus said, even if you give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, there's an eternal reward for something just that small. God sees everything you do. Are you being faithful at it? You may have heard the story years ago. There was a church service, much like this. And there was a couple of teenagers that came in. And it was real crowded because they were having a revival service, a special speaker that day. And the teenagers couldn't find a seat. And so they turned around, and they walked out. And as they did, an usher noticed what was happening. And he says, young men, hang on. Let me see if I can find you a seat. And so he walks up and down a couple of aisles, and he eventually has some people move in, and he's got a couple of seats, and he brings the young men down, and they sit down. They, they go through the, the service, and one of those young men come to faith in Christ in that service. You know who he was? This guy right here, Billy Graham. The young Billy Graham, that's how he came to faith. Now, God used Billy Graham to lead over 2 million people to faith in Jesus Christ. But it all goes back to a faithful usher. Do you understand? God sees your faithfulness. Eternity is marked by the faithfulness of God's people. And so, you are gifted to do what? Serve yourself? No. To serve others. How? faithfully you're good stewards and what's the result here's the fourth thing jot this down you serve by glorifying god you serve how by glorifying god you're gifted when you use those gifts to serve others and you're faithful in serving others guess what you're glorifying god look at how peter says this verse 11 so that he says here's the result of all this verse 11 so that god may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. In your outline circle, God may be glorified. Can I tell you something? God is all about his glory. And everything that our God does is for him to get greater glory. The Bible says that God created the heavens. What? For his glory. The Bible says that all creation is reflection of his glory. The Bible says that the mountains and the hills break forth in singing, and the trees of the hills, they clap their hands in glory and worship of Almighty God. The Bible says, whatever has breath is to praise the Lord. Our God is all about glory. All of creation is a reflection of God's glory. One of my favorite worship songs that's out right now that I just listen to over and over again, it's called So Will I. It's called A Hundred Billion Times. The bridge of that song goes like this. I love this. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. If the wind goes where you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If everything exists to lift you high, so will I. So will I. 
Listen, you are the pinnacle of God's creation. You're made in the very image of God. Guess what? You can say, I am a better reflection of God's glory than any of God's creation. Folks, the stars can take a night off. I'm going to glorify God. The, the, the rocks can be silent because I'm going to glorify God here today. The animals of the planet, they can be quiet because we're going to glorify God. You are called, your life is called to be a reflection of God's glory. In fact, did you know that when you're not glorifying God with your life, that's the epitome and definition of sin? It's true. In fact, look at how the Apostle Paul puts this. In Romans 3.23, look at how he says this. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, and here's the definition, and fall short of the glory of God. There it is. When you and I fall short of glorifying God through our lives the way we're supposed to, that's the very definition of sin. You go, well, I don't want to do that. How do I glorify God? Well, Peter tells us how. You're gifted. When you use your gifts to serve others, right, and you do it faithfully, that glorifies God. But the opposite is also true. When you don't serve others and you don't use your gifts and you're not serving somewhere, then guess what? You're sinning against Almighty God because you're not using your gifts to glorify him. Let me remind you, folks, this life is not about you. It's about glorifying him. I mean, coming to church, this isn't about you. This is all about glorifying him. But here's the amazing paradox of all this. Whenever you lose your life in Christ, you'll find it. Whenever you say, God, I want to live my life for your glory, that's when you have your greatest joy. In fact, the opposite is also true. When you live your life and you're like, I'm going to live for my glory and for my pleasure, you know what's going to happen? Your joy is going to shrivel up. And you go, what happened? I don't understand this. That's the way God has designed this thing. You live for his glory, you get your greatest joy. His glory, our joy. You want joy? Start giving him the glory he deserves. His glory, our joy. That's what God's called you to do. He's called you to serve him and give him the glory. So what does that mean? That means that every person in this room needs to find a place of service for the Lord. You need to step up and say, okay, I need to start serving the Lord. 100% of you. If you call Silverdale your church, whether you're a member or not, you need to start finding a place of service. In fact, let me tell you how critical this is. In our church, every weekend, we need about 500 people working in our preschool. That's, you know, young children, nursery through on up. About 500 people every weekend. And we need about, you know, 450 people working in our kids' ministry, Kids Quest, and, and whenever Awana starts back on Wednesday nights, you know, in the fall. And we'll need a couple hundred people just for, you know, Kids Quest camp this summer. We, we need about, you know, 250 people to serve in our student ministry every weekend. And we need a couple of hundred people to serve in our adult ministry. Every small group has ministries going on. In our church, you know what else we have? We have guest services. You go, what's that? That's the greeters, that's the ushers, that's people in the VIP team and parking team, the coffee team, the welcome desk. And then you got service teams. 
You got people that help out in new members classes, help out whenever there's a baptism going on. You got the media, you know, you got sound and lighting and video happening. You got the band and you got the choir and you got all the praise team that's happening here. Then you got a security team, you got a medical response team. We estimate that we need about 1,500 volunteers every weekend in our church. We have nine weekend services. We need about 1,500 volunteers every weekend in our church. You see, I'll hear people say something like this. Well, you know, it's a big church. they got plenty of people. It's just the opposite. I mean, God's been working in incredible ways, and because our church has multiplied so much, the needs have multiplied. You're needed more now than you ever have. And so I encourage every one of you, find a place of service. It's really simple to do. In fact, I encourage you, today, this afternoon, you just open up your internet browser, and you type in, sbcserve.com. In fact, you can do it right now. You could literally take the browser of your smartphone and you could type in sbcserve.com. You know what you're going to find? This is what you find. Here's the first slide that you'll see. You'll see this little slide that'll say, help me find a place to serve. And then you'll have, you know, five options there. The first big option, and every, it's a definition of all the ministries in our church. The first one is SBC Kids. I hope half of you check that box, because that's where half the needs are, okay? And they'll give a little definition of what's needed in the preschool and children's ministries. Or it may be students, or adults, or guest services, or a service team. I don't know what it may be, but I'm telling you, you can go to there and investigate and look at what appeals to you, and what you feel like you're gifted for, and then what do you do? Well, it only takes a few minutes. You then fill out the form. You just fill out your name and you know, your email and your phone number. You go, why do you need that? So somebody from that ministry team can contact you and, and encourage you and help you plug in and equip you. Every fall, we have a training. I know a lot of us feel totally inadequate to serve. We train you so that you can serve effectively here. And then you've got to, you know, choose what campus you go to. This, if you didn't know, this is the Bonnie Oaks campus, right? This is where you worship, Bonnie Oaks Campus, or if you go to Saturday night or North Ottawa or St. Emma, whatever it may be, that's where you would, you know, check that. And then you check the places of service, and we'll equip you. You do that this week, and I guarantee by the fall, you'll be plugged in somewhere, equipped somewhere to be serving in this church. And it's just that simple, but you've got to be willing to do it. Now, let me explain why I'm so passionate about this, why this is one of our core values. Let me explain it again. Because I believe this stuff. I mean, I believe the Bible really is God's word. I believe we worship the one true God, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. And I believe we are living in a broken world, and the only hope for this messed up culture we live in is the church of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches, and I believe it's true. You see, every week I get emails from people that have been transformed through the ministries of this church. I see eternities change through the church, through you. You see, when I come to church every Sunday morning, I, in my mind, have this vision. I just imagine that there is a young mother that's coming here. And maybe she's a new follower of Jesus Christ and recent in her faith, but she's all in following Jesus. And she brings her little daughter, Emily, with her to church every week. But she's married to a man who's not a follower of Jesus Christ. She's been praying for him. 
She's invited him almost every week to come to church with her. And he said, no, 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 no. But let me tell you what happened. Yesterday, Saturday, she said, you want to come to church with me? And he goes, yeah, I think I will. And you know what happened this morning? She woke up excited. She woke up early, and she got breakfast ready, and she got her daughter going. And she said, honey, were you still going to church with me today? She, he goes, yeah, I told you I would. And so, you know what? She's excited, and they come driving to church. And you know what she's doing while they're driving to church? I'll tell you what she's doing. She's praying. She's praying. She's praying, oh, God, whenever I come to church, I pray that there'll be some parking spaces close by. That the church members will have parked a little farther away so that guests will be close up. So my husband won't have to walk too far to come to church. And God, when we walk through those doors, I pray there'll be somebody friendly there to welcome us. That, that, that guy that welcomed me a few weeks back, he had a frown on his face and he must not have had a good... God, please allow it to be a joyful person that greets me this Sunday, right? And, and then, hey, God, whenever I take little Emily to her classroom. I pray the teacher will be there on time. I pray that, you know, she will pick Emily up and hug her and be so glad to see her. And my husband will go, oh my goodness, they are loving on my daughter here. And God, when we come into the sanctuary, I pray an usher will be there to help us and greet us. And, and Lord, I pray that everybody around us will be so friendly that my husband will feel overwhelmed and so welcomed here. And God, whenever the music's going on, I'm asking, Lord, for the sound and lighting to be incredible. And, and that Steve and the choir just be amazing. The praise team just be incredible, God. I just pray that everything would go oh, just amazing. And God, for Pastor Tony, he needs so much help, Lord. Please, please help Pastor Tony just knock it out of the park this week. Do you know what she's praying? I'll tell you what she's praying. She's praying that every one of us use our gifts as servants and be found faithful. That's what she's praying. She knows that eternity is in the balance that Sunday. Let me tell you, eternity is in the balance every Sunday. God is doing supernatural things, but we've got to be the church we're called to be. What is that? A church that's gifted, yes, but a church that is found faithful, faithful serving one another. That's why service is a core value of our church, because eternity is at stake. You are called to serve. Find a place of service. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They're about to enter the darkest moment in history, and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and apart, so please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.